from the rule of our Holy Father St. Benedict, chapter 43rd, De his quiad opus dei, per advent sanctarde opurunt, of those who come late to the work of God or to table At the hour of divine office, as soon as the signal is heard, let every one, leaving whatever he had in hand, hasten to the oratory with all speed and yet with seriousness, so that no occasion be given for levity. Let nothing then be preferred to the work of God. And should anyone come to the night office after the Gloria of the 94th Psalm, which for this reason we wish to be said very slowly and protractedly, let him not stand in his order in the choir, but last of all, or in the place set apart by the abbot for the negligent, so that he may be seen by him and by all, until the work of God being ended, he have made satisfaction by public penance. The reason why we have judged it fitting for them to stand in the last place, or apart, is that being seen of all, they may amend for very shame. For if they were to remain outside the oratory, someone perchance would return to his place and go to sleep, or at all events would sit down outside and give himself to idle talk. And thus, an occasion would be given to the evil one. Let him therefore enter, that he may not lose the whole, and may amend for the future. At the day hours, let him who cometh to the work of God after the verse, and the glory of the first psalm which followeth it, stand in the last place as ordered above, and not presume to join with the choir in the divine office until he hath made satisfaction, unless perchance the abbot shall permit him so to do, on condition, however, that he afterwards repents. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. At the hour of the divine office, as soon as the signal is heard, the work of God brooks no delay. The work of God is always an urgent matter. Let everyone leaving whatever he had in hand, pen, keyboard, tool, cleaning implement, whatever uh, you happen to have in hand at the moment, uh, leave it put it aside, without delay and without hesitation. One of the best commentaries on this phrase of the Holy Rule uh, was given in a conference by a Dominican. Uh, this particular Dominican said that uh, he understood the bell for the divine office to be like um, the hour of one's death. And he said, I know, he said that uh, when death comes for me, I shall leave many things unfinished. Uh, there may be an 
unfinished letter on my desk. I may be surprised by death in the middle of a great undertaking or in the middle of something very common, very commonplace. He said, I may even be surprised by death before I've had time to make my bed in the morning. And uh, he emphasized that when death comes for us, we leave many things unfinished. And in this way, this wise Dominican said that a punctual obedience without hesitation, without delay, to the bell that calls us to the divine office is a kind of rehearsal for one's death. And uh, in this way, we put into practice that instrument of good works in chapter 4 of the Holy Rule to keep death daily before one's eyes. And not only daily, but seven times a day. This also allows us to look at death uh, as uh, the summons uh, to, to the liturgy of heaven, that uh, for which every monk longs uh, in his heart. Uh, the summons uh, to the banquet of the Lamb, the supper of the Lamb. And so, one of the most important practices of monastic escasis is prompt obedience to the bell of the divine office. We have, we have two bells, one 15 minutes before the office, which gives us time to uh, arrange our, our, to put away our tools, to turn off uh, the, the, the computer, to, to, to close whatever we happen to be doing, to put books back, to tidy up ourselves, to wash our face, to get a drink of water, all of these things that need to be done before the office. We have a 15 minute bell that says this is the time uh, to make your uh, final preparations for the office. And when the second bell rings, you must be on your way, either to choir or to the stazio. The monk who doesn't master this discipline in the very beginning of his monastic life will have trouble with it all his life long. No one here is so old in the monastic life uh, as to be hardened in uh, a practice contrary to what the rule prescribes. No one. And so I, I, I exhort each one of you to um, begin to practice this with absolute fidelity. This is the little way. This is related to that liturgical obedience uh, concerning which Peter uh, instructed us um, earlier in the week. Um, it's part of the little way. It's not putting stones in your shoes. It's not sleeping on the floor. Uh, it's not uh, taking on great fasts or abstaining from all sorts of things. It's the little way. It's prompt detachment from whatever you have at hand. And that's very difficult. It's a very, it's a little act of obedience, but oh, is it costly to the old man. The old man wants to finish the job. He wants to write just one more line. He wants to drive just one more nail. He wants to do just, 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 just this one little thing. And it's that one little thing that can come between the monk and God. 
so this is uh, very much uh, in, in harmony with the beautiful text of Mother MacTilde that Peter read to us the other day. And it's in harmony with the, um, the little way of, of St. Therese. St. Benedict uh, then says, uh, and this of course is the phrase, the sentence of the Holy Rule, which is so dear to Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Uh, he, he quoted it many times in the teachings of his pontificate. Let nothing there then be preferred to the work of God. Nikil, nothing, nothing. And uh, you're all familiar with that marvelous discourse uh, of Pope Benedict to the clergy of Rome after he announced that he would uh, step aside uh, from, from the chair of Peter, he addressed the clergy of Rome uh, and gave a, 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 a teaching, a profound teaching on the council, uh, the Second Vatican Council, as he understood it, his own hermeneutic of all of the conciliar constitutions and decrees, he made a point of saying that by beginning with the constitution on the sacred liturgy, Sacro Sanctum Concilium, the Council Fathers were in effect um, inspired by and following this word of the rule of St. Benedict. Let nothing then be preferred to the work of God. And with great, I have to say, courage and insight, uh, Pope Benedict uh, applied this principle of the rule of St. Benedict to the whole church, to the life of the church. That, that, that's an extraordinary thing. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm sure that it just sent certain porters in the church uh, uh, screaming into the road of traffic, uh, because, uh, especially around a certain university. But uh, I think that uh, it took great courage for Pope Benedict to make this a principle of the life of the whole church. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, to say further that this sentence of the rule of St. Benedict is the hermeneutical key to a correct and right understanding of everything else that came out of the Second Vatican Council. It, it, it's, it's a great pity that that discourse did not receive the intention that it, it deserved. It was kind of dismissed out of hand, when in fact I think it was in some way Pope Benedict's legacy to the Church. But of course it's easy to look at this principle and leave it up there, you know, somewhere up there in, in, in the clouds of spiritual musings and principles that don't really impinge on one's life. But uh, if, it, if it is indeed applicable to the life of the whole church, and then you have to bring it home to where each one of us lives, it's applicable to the life of every diocese. Let nothing then be preferred to the work of God. And oh, wonder to every parish. It's the, it's the rule, the pastoral rule for every parish priest. Let nothing then be preferred to the work of God. It's the, uh, the rule by which uh, an abbot uh, 
And, and this, again, is a costly, uh, a costly thing. And uh, it's, it's, it's costly, um, yes, but to one who, who loves, it's, it's an opportunity uh, to be lavish in one's love uh, by fidelity to this little thing. By putting down one's tool, one's pen, by closing one's computer, by getting up and by making that first step towards the oratory, that's a great act of love. It may seem insignificant. It may seem a very little thing. Try it for a week and then come and talk to me. It's a little thing. But one can invest it with a great burning love, with zeal, zeal, for the work of God, which is one of the qualities that St. Benedict would have the abbot look for in a novice. Does he have zeal for the work of God? If he has zeal for the work of God, he will go to choir with a quick and ready step uh, with that other great Benedictine virtue that I so often mention, alacritas, alacrity. To go to choir with alacrity, not trudging along Oh, no, that again, no. But to go to choir with alacrity, not an emotional alacrity, but an alacrity that comes, it's an act of the will driven by love. Or not driven, but pulled forward by love. You know what St. Augustine says uh, concerning that. Uh, that, that love uh, pulls all things in its train, doesn't it? So, that with regard to satisfactions, I spoke of this, I think, a little over a week ago, and it's still not clear, it would seem. So uh, I will reiterate it again this morning and uh, trust that, that we, can, we, can, we can get it right. <laughs> so um, this pertains both to filling up the stalls that is moving forwards, so that there are no gaps in the stalls, and to making satisfaction. At Matins, uh, the stalls are filled after Psalm 94, the Invitatory Psalm, and after the Invitatory Psalm, St. Benedict says even after the Gloria Patri of the Invitatory Psalm, the brother makes satisfaction. We make it in the following manner. The brother enters the choir, he genuflects, then he turns and makes a profound bow to the prior, then he turns back facing the altar and kneels in the middle of the choir facing the altar. When the prior gives the signal, he stands, turns and bows to the prior, then turns to the altar, genuflects, and then goes to the stall. And that's the procedure at all the hours. After lauds, the stalls are filled and satisfaction is made after Psalm 66. At the little hours, uh, we have a variation on what St. Benedict gives. Uh, these stalls are filled and satisfaction is made after the hymn, rather than after the first psalm, because after the first psalm, the office is half over. So after, after the hymn. At Vespers, after the Gloria, Gloria Patri of the first psalm. And at Compline, after the Gloria Patri Song. So I just explained it again. 
And if you um, dump Elijah, that's one of the things you want to maybe note to explain always to the inquirers and postulants, and if necessary, to reiterate to the novices so that they, they, they understand the proper sequence of things and make satisfaction.